Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson, the podcast where we head down the road of the supernatural and beyond. So sit back and hold on as we take a ride together to what lies in the unknown and beyond the veil. Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson presents guest host, slipstream shaman Todd Wilcox. Todd has had a lifelong fascination with alternative healing, consciousness expansion, and human potential. His first book, Slipstream Shaman, Using Quantum Healing for Individuals, Communities, the Planet, and Beyond, was recently published, and the next two books in the series will be out soon. Todd also loves talking about the paranormal and hosts a radio program called My Side of the Universe. And now your host, Daniel Jackson with Slipstream Shaman, Todd Wilcox. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson. Me, I'm your host, Daniel Jackson, and today we have on our show, Todd Wilcox. Todd, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Dan, how are you doing? Not too shabby, not too shabby. So, I've never really heard uh, too much about what you have going on. Uh, It sounds very different to me, uh, even though... Some of the talking points I've looked at on your uh, bio, it sounds a little bit familiar, uh, some of the stuff, but I, from what I see here, uh, your description of it or your uh, wording of it is just a little bit different. So I just want you to explain it to, to, to my audience. So if you could uh, start off, if you can explain to my audience what it is that you do. Sure. sure. So. So what the what the, the slipstream shaman process is is a, a way to make change to help people, uh, much like a shaman would interacting with interacting with energy on a different plane of existence. And so we're doing the same thing, but because of my background in NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming, hypnosis, things like that, I've wanted to speed up processes. Instead of going months to get a change, I'd, I'd like to see somebody make a change that day. You know? um, so that's that's how it's designed to go in, make a change, and be done. And it all takes place in what I call the quantum field, quantum room, which is is really just that other plane of existence, much like I'm sure you've probably gone to with all your experiences where you're kind of out of body, um, and, and you can really make a difference in medicine. Meditation. It's in that place where those changes take place. Yeah, that's what that's what I try to tell people all the time. Uh, especially uh, meditation is the key, pretty much for for everything. Um, I myself meditate. I don't meditate as much as I used to because of my connection with spirit. Uh, my my spirit guides are somewhat different uh, than other people. I know. So other people have what I would just call uh, your your basic regular spirit guides, whereas my spirit guides are what we refer to as archangels. They're not men with wings. They don't have wings. They don't have shields and a sword. They're not fighting a battle in heaven. Uh, but they uh, most of them do not look human. Uh, some of them look humanoid. I've only seen a couple that actually are uh, what we would consider human. Uh, but that's who I deal with all the time because of what I do is when I do readings for people or just get answers from people, that's who's giving me the answers. And I know who they are, what they are, what they do for us. And uh, so, but not everybody has them uh, because not everybody needs them because 
our regular spirit guides are going to help us throughout our day with our daily decisions. Whereas the reason I have archangels with me is because one of my gifts is I, I cross spirit over into the light. And then I also get answers for people. So, but when I'm crossing them over, they protect me from all what we would call the bad or negative energies. Uh, so, um, so let's go right down the list here and uh, describe to me what is slipstream. What is a slipstream shaman? What what it is it that sure. you perform or you do when you have a, a client with you? Yeah. So the the slipstream that I'm referring to is much like way. And you get behind the semi truck, and you notice how much easier it is to drive. Absolutely, pulled ahead by what the semi is creating. You see it in NASCAR also; they're drafting cars are very close to the car in front of them, and drafting off. It takes less energy, go faster, and and that's what the whole slipstream is about: is a way to make changes, broadcast it forward very fast, and also backward to um, to make you feel better, you know, not just now, but change the way you perceive things that were a problem. So it's, it's all about speed. It's all about helping people. Uh, some of the some of the things you can look at if you're having trouble with nightmares, if you're looking for your purpose, if you feel like you need protection while you sleep, spiritual protection. Uh, there's many things in, There's many things that this can be used on. And we can talk about some of the ways I've helped people. The funny thing is, when I do this work, I have to write it down very rapidly. I've got to make notes. If I don't make notes immediately, it's gone. And I, um, it's funny, I look back on the different things I've worked on, and I'm shocked to see what changes took place that I just completely forgot about. It's fun to read the notes later and, and see what's done. What the process is, somebody will tell me about a friend, relative, an animal that's having problems. And what I do is, is all I need is a name. I don't have to touch somebody. I don't have to be there. I do most of my work states away. Uh, and it just... It's all in that quantum field where we're through meditation to reach each other. I always ask for permission. If the person is in a coma, I get a I get permission from a family member. If it's a child, to make sure the parents are okay with it. If it's a pet, I make sure that the owners are okay with it. I don't do it on my own. Um, so far, only two people have said no. I I don't understand it. I don't want to do it. Everybody else has been interested. And then I don't charge for this service either. I um, I'm looking for a way to help. People. And that was why I wrote the book Slipstream Shaman to get the word out to help me you know make a living and eventually move over to work this full time and don't have to have other jobs and so you know slipstream shaman using healing for individuals communities the planet and beyond came about as the start to that there will also be some seminars in the future working with people helping them learn this process but when i work with people i don't charge anything so um let me just tell you about one of the one of things I did. I was with a family member who was very sick in, in the ICU and having just terrible nightmares. 
everything that was happening to her in that ICU was nightmares. And so I, I went out to my car and I, I meditated. This is one of the first ones. I meditated. I went to the quantum room. I called for help. And I've, I've got a set of guides, much like you have, and, and none of them are human. And then I also have helpers and they're in different groups. So the first group that I have is a, I call it a warrior group. And when I call them in, it's to look at the people, see what's going on and remove the, the things that are causing problems. Many times it's a spiritual spiritual um, parasite. It can be just about anything. These things usually start out as something positive. Um, what we know in from psychology and from uh, NLP and hypnosis is almost everything started with a positive intent. And then you grew out of it. And so what I'm saying by that is a young child um, is afraid to get yelled at. So they go quiet. They go internal. They, they keep their mouth shut at home. Sure. That works fine when they're home. Keeps them from getting yelled at more. But it doesn't help them when they're in school. And it doesn't help them at work later in their life. Not responding. Not interacting. Being quiet and contained. Went from being something that maybe saved, went as far as saving their life. To something that's holding them back in their life, in their career, in their studies. And so we look for these, I call them companions. It, it started out as something positive. And now has turned into something that's hurting them as they've grown older. And they, they manifest, they look different. And there's no rhyme or reason to what they might look like. So the warrior team I have is mostly dogs. And one of them is a, a beagle that I used to have. She passed away several years ago, but she comes into the quantum room when I'm meditating and helps me with this. And she had the best nose I ever saw. And when she starts sniffing around people in the quantum room, she can find things that don't belong. And with the nightmare, uh, there wasn't something for her to identify that way because it was obvious. There was this big cloud over the person's head when, when they were just standing there talking to me. So we knew where we had to go with that. And what the warrior team did was uh, the dog started picking individual parts out of that big, massive, nasty cloud that was swirling around over her head, picking out individual parts that we could deal with. Once those things were separated, I used energy to light these things up, kind of burn the skin off clumps that they could be dealt with. Once they were prepared to heal, when you're in the hospital, let's say you have a burn, you have to have the dead stuff removed. Yeah, and that we do debriding in this in this process. And so we're removing the dead stuff from these companions, getting them ready for, for cleansing. Once they're, once they're off the person and ready to be cleaned, then I have another team that's, that's all about focusing love. And this is led by an aunt of mine that passed away several years ago. And every once in a while, somebody that's alive will come and help in these groups. But mostly it's people and animals who have passed away that come to me in spirit and want to help. And my aunt leads the charge on this. And, and we just fill these things up with love. And let's just, as an example, say we pulled something off. And who knows what it's going to manifest as. It might, it man, many times it looks like a towel. And I don't know why. But we pull these things off of people out of their spirit 
out of their psyche that look like a towel. We burn it, get it ready for cleaning, fill it full of love, and it could turn into a flower. It could turn into a bird and fly away. It might turn into a tree. Uh, it might turn into a rock that just rolls away. It might turn into um, a jewel that just sits there. It could be anything. But what we're doing is taking something that had, an, had a positive intent that wanted to help us at one point and putting it back into its nature, letting it use its energy for good things again. And it's, and it's really, it seems like there's always kind of a negative look to the companions when we pull them out, and then a more positive look once we fill them with love. So a, a snake or an eel or a, or a dirty rag might turn into a flower or a bird or a, or a dog or who knows what, but it's always something that you perceive as nicer after it's place. Once these things are gone, now the person is ready to heal. So we remove that thing from them that's causing trouble. In this case, it was a nightmare. We get all those pieces of the of the big cloud that was swirling over her head. We get that off of her. And now we're going to fill her with love because nature abhors a vacuum. So now we're going to fill her up with love so that something else that may cause trouble won't come back in. This person, once we did this... The change was immediate. It, it happened right then. She went from having nonstop nightmares because she could not stay awake. She was on too many drugs keeping her alive to calm, able to sleep, not afraid to go to sleep, not afraid to be alone. And it happened virtually the second we did this. Uh, another lady that, that I worked with with a heart problem. And, and again, I don't, I don't know what's going on with most of these people. I ask that I don't know because I, I may try to force it. Um, I would rather not know what their circumstance is. A lady just asked if she could have a healing. And the thing that Desi, the, the uh, Beagle focused on was around her, but through her back. And Desi started scratching at her back, put her head inside. And again, this is all metaphoric. It's in the energy. It's in energy. So we can do just about anything we want. And she pulls this towel, this rag out from, from around her heart. We we did the debriding, got it cleaned up, helped it become what it was supposed to be, filled her heart back up with love and energy. I find out the next day that she was on several heart medications on a CPAP machine, and her heart rate, not her heart um, Efficiency, the production of her heart was going down. It was getting worse. The next time she went to the doctor, which was about a week later, there was a marked improvement. A month after that, a huge improvement. And three months after that, they took her off all her medicine, including the CPAP. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying go and quit taking medicine or not see your doctor or anything like that. Right. What I'm saying is this is something that we do in addition to the doctor that you're going to. They're taking care of the chemical part inside your body. And we're going to take care of the spiritual, help that part heal so that everything gets better instead of just attacking a symptom for years and years and years. We're looking at the problem, helping it be addressed. The doctor can take care of, of any physical problem that, that needs to be addressed after that. And then working together we have great results and that person is three years out now you're you're doing work that's basically taking away their spiritual trauma correct that's a beautiful way to say it the spiritual trauma is released and the, the towel that you're taking away is more or less 
something that they put on there, I guess, to help themselves in a spiritual type way, but that eventually it just became a cover and that they never removed because they felt they never could remove it. And now you are going into the process of removing it now um, yeah. and, and taking it away because it's no longer needed. Yeah, and they don't even know it's there. And it, right. it might have come from um, just trying to protect your heart from from sadness. Um, sure. Who knows how it started? It started out with a positive intention, but it it certainly was hurting her in the long run. And it it, it manifested to me as a towel. If somebody else was doing the process, it might have manifested as something else. Right, but no matter what it was manifesting, you are you have the ability with your team in there to take it away. Correct. To take it away, help both the client and the companion get better. And and I do call them clients, but I don't charge them. Right. And so the uh, the the dog that helps you or the team, the dog that help, helps you, they are more or less uh, what we would call spirit animals. Yes. And and I've wondered, and it's hard for me to tell for sure, if these these are uh, parts of me manifesting to to do the help. You know, based on knowledge I know of these dogs and horses and everything that comes and helps. If it's if it's part of me uh, manifesting as that, if it's their spirit coming to help me, and that's really what I believe. It's their spirit energy coming back to help to do something good and and uh, very beautiful the way they come and help. Now, yeah, because not everybody their, their that, spirit that learns it. itself. Their own spirit energy itself wants that wants that that body itself to be in good health, but you know that it can only do so much, uh, especially if that person themselves is not in contact with their own with their own spirit, has not uh, gained that type of connection with their own spirit. So sure, it's so so since you are able to do it because you. This is what you do. It's easier for you to make contact with that soul than it is for they themselves to do it. Yes, and it's you Especially know, in and it's circumstances. If they are sick or or if they are in a coma, they're not able to. They're they're just they're just going through the trauma part of it because they're out. You know. Yes. So you're you're able to be that uh, that outside influence that's able to help them, even though they don't even know what's actually going on. For sure. Yep. They, and they don't even know it. So it's, yep. it's a wonderful process. I love doing it. I love helping people. So what is this? Um, it's called, um, what is retro casualty? Retro causality. That's one of the coolest things I ever heard. I can still remember driving. It was on a freeway in Utah. And I first heard about retro causality. And, and how I heard about it was somebody was talking about an experiment. People went to a hospital. And they 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 took out uh, files on people from an illness that took place ten years ago. It was it was ten plus years old on illness, and they just randomly split these files into two different piles. One pile they prayed and sent energy to help them. The other pile they did nothing. The pile and the pile that they gave energy to actually had a much higher survival rate than the pile that they did not. 
and the belief is that because time is not is not the way we see it, we see time very linear. In the spiritual world, in the energy world, time is completely different. And so you you can make a change today that actually affects you years in the past. Um, some places call it timeline therapy. Some places call it uh, timeline regression, and you go back and fix something in the past, but. Retrocausality is fixing something today and having having waves of of pair waves of help go back to the original point so that you don't have that same trauma or even you know keep you from from getting sick in the first place. And why do you think they they separate the uh, the they make two piles and then only work with one and and leave the other one alone? Uh, so that. Are they doing a test like a uh, like a placebo uh, effect or something like that, or just see well, it's, or see if, yeah. if it works out on its own? It's the scientific method, so you have to have a control group. And so gotcha. the group that that they didn't do anything with was the control to see what happened. Now, hopefully, they had some good ethics and they went back and did the same thing for those people. But it's hard to say. Yeah, that's what I'm just thinking. <laughs> Because you know, I mean, if they're if they're seeing that it works, then why not go back and try to do the other way? Uh, but uh, again, if if they're always doing a, a control group at that at that point, then maybe they just won't. You know, I mean, yeah, 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 and that, yeah, and that, that would be an unfortunate I, thing, right? I I worry about control groups. You get uh, yeah. new miracle medicine, and the people that get it live, and the people that are in the control group don't. So you have to right. be able to prove that there's a difference. And the unfortunate thing is, if you were unlucky enough to get into the wrong group, that you're just out of luck. And uh, so yeah, well, yeah, yeah, out of out of luck, uh, or out of luck in in the uh, the human sense of it too. As as we know, as I'm sure you know, uh, we're just here to learn lessons and fulfill our purpose. Uh, and uh, if we have to, we may have to, the soul may have to come back again and just do it all over again because it just, you know, it didn't do it the first time. Um, it's, it's not that it's a mistake or anything like that. It just didn't learn what it was supposed to learn and had to come back again. That's all. Sure. Uh, but but we sure would like to get it right the first time. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Coming back over right. and over again. Yeah. When I do readings for people, uh, I'm able to find out how many times they're here. Uh, how many times they have been here. Uh, and uh, I've talked to some people who have been here quite a few times and they just don't seem to get it right over and over and over again, which is unfortunate. And I try to guide them so they can get it right. Uh, but uh, but I don't do the type of healing work that you do. Uh, so, and that is needed because we all, we all do it a little bit different. Uh, but we all take part in it because uh, it's just not one thing because our, our souls are very complex. Uh, we just don't realize it's how complex it is because uh, most people are just not in that type of connection with their own souls. Uh, yes. I mean, people here are always so worried about, oh, I want to raise my vibrations. I want to raise my vibrations. But they don't work on the previous possible trauma that they had before and they're just trying to get to this higher vibrational point where is i don't know if people all people know but i try to explain it to them we can only get so high in a vibrational point 
uh, especially because we're in this meat suit. And that doesn't allow us to get as high as people say they want to become. Uh, you're not going to become a, a the, the higher vibrational uh, being that you are meant to be until we are released from this and then move on to the next uh, the next uh, the next place, you know, more sure. or less. Um, so um, let me see here. So, uh, oh, so the next question I want to ask that's in here. Uh, do you feel uh, because well, you just kind of explained it uh, because as we hear, time is not the same as it is in a spiritual sense, even though, we ourselves are not really experiencing time, more or less. But the way that it works is you wake up in a baby body, and uh, and then you got two people above you going, "I'm your mom and dad," and you're going, "I don't know who the hell you are, but okay." And then uh, and then your time doesn't really take place because you never really stop, you never really slow down, you just go until it's time for the soul to leave the body. That's it. I think the only reason we uh, we uh, uh, spend so much time about thinking about time is because we have to go to work and go to jobs, and uh, you know, and uh, and uh, they in the very beginning, you know, uh, when they were starting writing time down, you know, our calendar was only five months, and then it went to nine months, then it went to ten months, and now it's twelve months. So in all actuality, if we went back to using the scale of five months, you know, I'm fifty-five. You know, I would be 110 or 115 uh, in in the sense of time, uh, which I'm not. You know, I just I just am. I, I mean, because that's what we need to focus on, especially when you go into. Uh, 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 I say, tell people when we go into meditation, don't focus on where you're going. Just focus on just being. That's all. And you'll be wherever it is you need to be. Um, exactly. Uh, but the. People just don't seem to get that. Uh, but uh, but uh, so do you feel as though when you are doing this, uh, uh, this question here, do you feel that you are traveling in time when you're doing this? It, it very much feels like that. Um, of course, I'm still sitting in my chair in our present time as I'm doing it. So um, if, if we were to do an experiment, you know, and had cameras on me i'm not going to disappear and go on on time travel like you see in movies but, but that would be cool that would be extraordinarily cool i would love to be able to do that um, what what i am doing though is making changes in the past that help in the future right and so you you correct some of those uh, traumas that you identified wrong that you that you um lived with not knowing any better that you weren't able to let go of and just and you get better through time and you can almost feel it rushing up your timeline when you're doing this and and the change hits you and then you can even see into the future how much better things will be as a result of what we've done so in a sense yes yes do you ever come across anyone that you have so you've done this procedure for them you have pretty much healed them do you have anyone who you have to go back and do something again because they have slipped back into uh, uh, something that just say just reoccurred or it got triggered from something else uh, because of that uh, previous trauma? I, I have not at this point. Having said that, good. 
when we first started, it was only the warrior team. So we were pulling these companions off and getting rid of them. I, I thought they were a problem that we had to get rid of. And then I, I came to my senses and realized what they were. And so after, after I, and I say we, because you know, the team in, in the quantum room, absolutely. Um, after we started doing the warrior team and the love team, no people, people have kept the results because there's, we, we've filled them up with, with something better so they don't look for that again that particular trauma is dealt with and gone um and then then we can look at other things also so it, it pretty much puts them into a new mindset as well absolutely yep new and mindset and they body set they, 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 yeah they don't even look at uh, uh they see something that is uh in a negative way and then now they don't even look at like bringing that into themselves they go i don't need to think about that i can do something better i can do something more and more positive and more mm -hmm. and, uh, and and look forward to things instead of don't devote yeah. you back into something that's horrible i don't need to do that so, and so with so, trauma yes they they are done now there's some things um people like we talked about before that, that are afraid at night um you know they have night terrors they're, they're worried about going to sleep i would encourage them every night to set up protection um, i go through a process every day right where i protect myself i protect my family i protect work i protect the state usually i go all the way to the country many times i spread it all over the, the world and on days that I'm really energetic, I go the whole universe. But um, yeah, those kind of things I would encourage doing every single day, setting up your protection, setting up your intent. But as far as the trauma part of it, yeah, once once that's dealt with, it's dealt with. I myself, I used to do that before I understood how protected I was from, uh, from my team, the Archangels. Uh, I used to sit on my bed every morning and I would say to myself, okay, close my eyes. And put my hands over my head and say, okay, I'm pulling energy out of myself to, to put it all over myself to protect me from all negative within me and outside of me. And I would just do that uh, for about five minutes. But now that I know I'm protected uh, by archangels uh, I've and have experienced this already, uh, when I see spirit, uh, I see them in front of me. They're always at a distance from me. And I see the negative ones. Whenever I see them, they actually glow red. Uh, and when I so when I see them around me, and if I see them coming around me, I will ask my my guides to to get rid of them. But most of the time, they just they do it already. Uh, when I when I see spirit at nighttime, so I see my guides around me all the time. But off in the other distance, uh, in front of me, I see what looks like these big two or three foot size uh, eyeballs. And there's one here and there's one here. And these are the ones who are watching over me, protecting me from negative energy. They don't move their head or anything. I actually just see the eye just move up and down, side to side and around and around. They're looking for the, the negative energies. Uh, so much so that I can uh, I can walk into any haunted house anywhere, uh, uh, the extreme ones, and absolutely nothing can actually walk up and touch me and scratch me and stuff. Although I do get touched by spirit, uh daily uh they touch me poach me pink pinch me all over my entire body you just get used to it and uh uh but these are the ones who want to cross over and that they're just trying to figure out trying to get my attention so i can cross them over um, sure but uh so when you do uh when you do that type of uh protection how is it that you do that for yourself and how is that that you tell other people to do that for for themselves? 
Okay. So in the book, you're going to learn how I set up my energy and, and draw it to me. I'm just going to show you the book. Yes, absolutely. Show me the book. <laughs> and the reason I'm showing, you can see the, the hands and where the energy is. That's, that's how I show people to start forming their energy. Um, they can feel it. And everybody has a different energy. And I talk about in the book that do do your thing. Uh, when I first learned this from a shaman, she was telling me, here's the energy color. Here's what it feels like. Here's what it looks like. And mine didn't look like that. And nobody I talked to energy looks like hers. Your energy is different. When I first started, my energy looked about like your shirt. It was a blue color about that color. Yeah. And it was very cool. It evolved into something. If you picture shining a flashlight through a diamond, it looks like that now. Still very cool to the touch. So we start off by just working on those shockers in your palms, and you can feel it. Um, as soon as it happens with me, you can feel cold in your palms. People with with warm energy feel heat in their palms. Uh, and everybody has different colored energy. I work with a lady all the time that has beautiful gold energy. Uh, I worked with somebody just the other day whose husband, the husband had red and gold energy. The wife had green and gold energy. And they were both on the hot side. Um, and every just everybody has different energy. And it's okay to allow that. So as I'm getting this energy, and I call it an energy ball, but yours might not look like a ball. It might just look like streamers. It might look like a square. It might look like anything. But mine looks like a ball. And I, I unfortunately call it an energy ball. I'm just used to saying that. But it can look like anything. Once I get that thing to where I feel it, and I know it's condensed and strong, I just put it on my whole body. And then I'm able to step into a quantum room if I want to. I can I can just sit there with the energy protecting me, or I can step into the room that I do my healing work in and start working with people. I use that as a way to, to, to move myself around and also for protection. But I, I can feel it covering me, glowing. Um, there's, there's times where I don't feel comfortable sleeping. I will do that and put it around my whole bed. And then I expect. And it out so that anything that might be in the house just gets pushed out. Right. So if there was something that was going to bother me, it just gets pushed out of the house. The house is covered. I can relax and sleep. And that's in a nutshell, how we, how we teach people to set up protection. And uh, so when you, when you do this, uh, how do I want to say this? Uh, so do you have to do this frequently all the time? Uh, like I know you said you you will you'll do that and sometimes you'll do just the people in your house or people who are around you. Uh, but do you have to do this uh, on a frequent basis throughout your day? No, I I typically do it once uh, to set it for the day. And honestly, uh, I don't know if I need to continue putting that protection around people. I do it because it makes me feel better. I think there's enough red, uh, residual there, enough intent, enough coverage that I'm probably okay. But I feel better when I do it, and so I continue to do it every morning. And yeah. I just I feel better about the world and my and my family and the people that I work with when I do that. And things seem to go better a little bit better if I if I do that other than skipping it. But I would imagine that for the most part, there's enough residual there to take care of things, you know, going forward. Yeah, yeah. And you and the book. I wanted to mention that the cover of your book is. Uh, pretty much dead on uh, because uh, when spirit sees us, when other spirits are out there, when they see us, they see pretty much our body frame. 
Uh, they don't see us as just this just dense uh, being. They see our body frame, and then they see our light within us, uh, as well as some people are able to communicate with them like I do. Uh, and the reason being is because your 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 light is just a little bit brighter than others, and then spirit know that, and that's why they know they can walk up to you and start talking to you. And uh, and of course, you need that extra energy, as you were just saying. So you can sleep because since they know that you're one of those people, they'll try to bug you all night long because, again, they're not in any time and space. So they want to I actually have to take uh, I have to take some just to take I have to take some melatonin and uh, and uh, there's something else I take. Uh, I forget what it is, uh, a little pink pill. But I have to do that in order to go to sleep, because if I don't. I'll just be sleeping. All of a sudden, I'll wake up and there's a face right above me, and that face just woke me up because I wasn't able to stay asleep enough. Because uh, they bother me all the time. Uh, as I um, when I found out I was this, uh, I went to see like five different mediums. None of them knew each other, but all of them told me the same story about me. And one of them, when I walked into the room, uh, she was doing a show. She was literally standing on the stage, and my wife and I just casually walk in the room. And when we did, she does one of these. She just started turning her head, and she's watching me. And I was like, we sat down, and I said to my wife, I said, that was kind of creepy. What was that all about? And uh, so when I went to talk to her afterwards, she said, you know, uh, she explained the same thing. They said, they just see your light inside of you. And I said, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. She said, yeah, I don't see that with you. I said, oh. What do you see? She said, well, I see you like spirit sees you. I said, and how is that? She said, I don't even see your body frame. You just look like a light bulb. You're just one big giant blob of light. And I was like, oh, and what's that supposed to mean? She said, well, I know you see spirit a lot. And I said, yeah, lady, you, you have no idea. I said, I see gazillions of them all the time. And, uh, and she said, uh, yeah, well, you see them because they're coming to you. You have them all coming to you. And I was like, why? She said, Oh, because your light is so bright, they believe you're the light into heaven. And I was like, oh, is that why? Yeah. And uh, and then she explained it to me. But then I found out to, uh, through uh, my spirit guides by talking to them and others who I have channeled with, uh, the, the, the guides came through and, and spoke through them that um, she wasn't kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm not only... Do they think I'm the, the light into heaven? But I found out there's there's one soul that comes through into this physical world. Uh, it never leaves and goes home. It just it transfers from body to body. After each body expires, it just goes to the next body. Uh, and it's only one. And it's in a physical body for a couple of reasons. One, because it, because it crosses spirit over into the light. And two, so that it can be seen by all other spirit all the times to, to be seen as a beacon of light to show to show them where they need to go if they want to cross over, if they haven't crossed over. Uh, and then they can also hear it, too, because spirit themselves can actually tune our voices out because with nine billion people in this place, it gets kind of staticky and they can tune that out. But with this one physical uh, one spirit that's in this one physical body all the time, they can't tune it out again because it's being a beacon for them. Uh, it's me. <laughs> Very I good. The, the, Very good. I found out the light that shines in heaven is just, it's me. I just, I'm just 
the it keeps coming back over and over and over again. It was actually it was actually in my grandfather before it was in me. Uh, I never met him because uh, I was I was about to be born, and my mom and dad he was real excited about me being born. Uh, but because uh, I have two brothers and a sister, but uh, and he was excited to see them. But he said he wanted to really know when I was going to be born. Why? Because he knew because he had this, and so. Uh, uh, he didn't tell my dad, and uh, and my dad called him up and said, "Hey, you got to come to the hospital." He said, "Awesome!" And he got ready to come to the hospital, and he had a heart attack and died. And then his oh, left his body and came into mine, and then here I am. So, uh, yeah, craziness. But uh, but yeah, your your the picture of your book is absolutely perfect because that's how they see us. They see us, but they see the light inside of us. They see the energy inside of us more. And that's what attracts them because they know we are just like them. As I, I, I try to tell uh, some people I've, I've done interviews with who are ghost hunters. And I say, do you realize that the thing that you are hunting, eventually you will become? And they look at me like, <laughs> oh, what do you mean? I said, well, they're spirit. They were in a body once before. You're going to become the same thing eventually. It just depends upon where you go. You either cross over into the light or you just remain here as an earthbound spirit. But uh, And they look at me and they go, oh, I never really thought about it that way. I go, well, They should have been thinking about it. Yeah, maybe you'll think twice about how you approach those spirit when you're trying to, to hunt them. Uh, yeah. And yeah. The, knowing that you are actually one of them, you're just, you know, stuck to this meat suit. Uh, so, um Here's a question I want to ask you, because so with my ability, with my gift that I have in communicating and everything else I have going on, I have this other thing going on in a sense that when you order a cable and you get specific, you get specific channels that you order, you ever do that? And then all of a sudden you get like some extra channels and something comes along with it. Okay. Well, I have this. But I'm not in control of it, but it happens on a frequent basis, and I see it. And the question is, is the work you do similar to remote viewing? Because I remote view. I just, I'm not in control of it. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes I close my eyes, and it's like something, a movie is playing, but it's in real time. And I'm somewhere else. Yeah, it's... Like like in in meditation, but it happens a lot in meditation. But sometimes not even in meditation. I was sitting there with my wife at a uh, uh, a department store, and she was in the bathroom, and I was like, oh, "Let me close my eyes." When I did, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I'm driving somewhere, and I'm going up a mountain, and this is unusual." Okay, what's going on here? So, do you consider yeah. this yeah. also remote viewing? It's very similar, uh, especially when you look at associative remote viewing. And I'll, I can tell you a story about that and how it kind of ties in. I was working with a, a lady that does organ transplant recovery. She she coordinates things. And every once in a while, she'll call and say, hey, I've, I've got a person that I need you to help. We need them to, to stay a little bit longer so that we're able to, to line up some, some people to receive the organs that they want to don donate. And uh, we just need them a little longer uh, before they go. And so I will make contact with that person. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and she'll also ask me to, to meet up with people that have received the, the organs. And I was working with a child who had received an organ from a donor. And as I was working, 
uh, talking, going over stuff. And, and it's not like I was re uh, removing any companions. Basically, we were just talking and I was filling this young person up with love, just giving love energy like crazy from my love team and giving them energy so that they could continue. Um, another little child walks in, very pale, very tired looking, uh, kind of stands off to the side. And I, I look over and, and I realize this, this person needs help too. And, and I, I start sending them love energy and the energy would hit them and then deflect out to their family. So it was, it was going through them, going to the family, helping the family better. This was the person that actually made the donation. Um, and I thought, you know what, you know what, this, this seems right to do. And I asked the name and I'm not going to say the, the letter that they gave me, but they, they said a letter and I'll call it, I'll say D. And it was not D, but um, it says D, D. And so I'm just running through all the names, Don, Danny, you know, Daniel, uh, Demi. You know, I was going through all these D names, exactly. Going through all these D names, trying to think, you know, trying to force what the name was. And, and this child just kept going D, D, D. I never heard of the name. I just kept getting that letter. And so I talked to the person that's in charge of the donations, and and uh, I was told that the, the donor was named Dee Dee. Um, so it was, I was just, I was not interpreting it correctly. Right, um, absolutely. Trying to tell me that. So, um, which is that that kind of interaction is very similar to associative um, remote viewing. So I'd say yes, this this is very similar in many ways to remote viewing. This was Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson with Slipstream Shaman Todd Wilcox. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes. For more information about Todd, visit him at www.slipstreamshaman.com. His book on quantum healing is available on Amazon. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson.